Good morning. Good morning, sons and daughters of the Most High God. I hope you feel that way this morning. Amen. Amen. This is part two from last week, which would have been part one. So the Lord said, I've got more to say about this. And I said, yes, sir. What are we going to say? So Exodus chapter 35, Exodus chapter 35, <clears throat> begin with verse 30, Exodus 35, 30. It's kind of an unusual passage to go where I want to go, but the Lord said, this is it. Explain it a little more, so we're going to do that. This is the children of Israel had been taken out of captivity. They were wandering around, and God said, now it's time to build a tabernacle so I can meet with you. And so they were building a tabernacle, a sanctuary, if you will, where God would meet and the priests would come and make sacrifice for sins. And God wanted it built a certain way. He even gave the specifications of how to build it. But here's the passage that, that jumps out at me in this, in this whole process of them building a tabernacle. That is a tent that could be taken down and moved, set back up again, <clears throat> worship God there, take it back down and move it and so forth. And he gets to uh, verse 30 of chapter 35. It says, Then Moses said to the Israelites, See, the Lord has chosen Bezalel, son of Uri, son of Hur, of the tribe of Judah, and he's filled him with the Spirit of God. Now, that's the Holy Spirit. Remember, we talked about last week, this is the third mention of the Holy Spirit, but it's the second mention of him actually doing something in someone's life. The first mention was Genesis 1-1, where it says, And the Spirit hovered, and nurtured over the earth is a better word for it. But here we find him active in someone's life. See, the Lord has chosen this man, and he's filled him with the Spirit of God, that is the Holy Spirit, with skill, ability, knowledge, and all kinds of crafts to make artistic designs, to work in gold, silver, and bronze, to cut and set stones, to work in wood, and to engage in all kinds of artistic craftsmanship. And he's given both him and Oholiab, son of Ahishma, of the tribe of Dan, the ability to teach others. He has filled them with skill to do all kinds of work as craftsmen, designers, embroiderers, in blue, purple, and scarlet yarn, and fine linen, and weavers, all of them, master craftsmen and designers. So Bezalel, Aholiab, and every skilled person to whom the Lord had given skill and ability to know how to carry out all the work for constructing the sanctuary, <clears throat> are to do the work just as the Lord has commanded. God went to great lengths to equip men and women with the ability to make the tabernacle. He went to great lengths. He spent a lot of time. He sent the Holy Spirit to say, I want you to give them gifts and abilities to build this tabernacle. Now, here's, here's a really good point. If God would spend that kind of time and energy and direction and insight and understanding and skill and ability, and invest that in men and women to build a tabernacle, how much more do you think he would invest in building your tabernacle? We are the tabernacle of the Lord. We are the temple of the Lord. It says in several scriptures in 1 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 16, you are the temple of the Holy Spirit. We house the Holy Spirit. If God would spend that kind of time and energy on building a cloth tabernacle that was just a shadow of things to come. In Hebrews it says this is just a shadow of things to come. Right? If God would spend that kind of energy on a shadow, think about what he's spending on you. Think about right now 
what he's spending on you, what he's investing in you, what he's sending your way. You see, we, we miss a lot, of, a lot of the simple things that God does in our life when he's trying to build this tabernacle, this temple. It may be a song you hear on the radio or on your phone. It may be a sermon you hear someone preach on the television. It may be something, teenagers. It may be something, teenagers. Teenagers. It may be something that your parents say that's really, really important where they're trying to build you up and encourage you and you just dismiss it as, that's an old person talking. That's an old person talking. We did that as teenagers, right? Anybody remember being a teenager that's my age now, right? Right? We we did that, right? What do they know? And then you turn like, I don't know, 25 and you realize, oh man, my parents were smart. You know, why, why did I dismiss that? It can, come from, it can come from a friend. It can be a book you're reading. God can reveal himself in creation itself and say, I'm trying to build your temple. This is an image of what I'd like to do with you. So before we get to the message, I just want to encourage you to know that God is at work in everybody's life right now, trying to convince them that he loves them building up that tabernacle that you call yourself. That's how much he cares about you. There's, there's absolutely nowhere you can go that he's not at work in your life. <clears throat> if I go to the heights, he's there. If I go to the depths, he's there, right? If I try to hide in my closet, he's there. If I try to hide in my car, he's there. No matter where I go, nothing shall be able to separate me from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus, our Lord. No angels, no principalities, no powers. Nothing can come against that. God is always at work building your tabernacle. Why? Because he wants to come hang out with you there. That's why. And because he knows it's important to you. So here here are several things, several points right quick. If it's that important to God to give men and women the ability to fashion a tabernacle out of cloth and poles and rings and things like that that you can read about later in here. If it's that important to him, how important is him? Is it for him to build you up as a tabernacle? The first thing is, the Holy Spirit has equipped spiritual craftsmen to help you build your tabernacle. The Holy Spirit has equipped spiritual craftsmen to build your tabernacle. Tabernacle In Ephesians chapter 4 it says, and Jesus gave some to be apostles, prophets, evangelists, shepherds, and teachers. Now, you'll find some churches that say apostles and prophets don't exist anymore, right? They just they take their pen and they scratch that word out. I, I want you to know that it's not scratched out, okay? There's still people who move in apostolic fashion. There are still people who move in prophetic fashion. There are still people who move as evangelists and pastors and teachers, right? God's calling and gifting is irrevocable, it says in Romans eleven twenty nine. 29. So, the ability that God put in apostles, prophets, evangelists, shepherds, and teachers have not gone away. And I can prove it because an apostle, prophet, evangelist, shepherd, and teacher is nothing more or nothing less than the Holy Spirit revealing himself in that way. If he can reveal himself in, in a craftsman who crafts a gold piece for the tabernacle, he certainly can reveal himself in a man or a woman as an apostle, prophet, evangelist, shepherd, or teacher, however he wants to reveal himself. That's up to him. I'm not going to tell God what he can and cannot do. I'm, going to, I'm not going to write it out of his scripture. And so, oh my, we're in the 21st century now, so we can't. These things just went away. No, they are a part of who God is. They, they are his essence. An apostle is the essence of the Holy Spirit being manifest in a certain particular way. Does that make sense? 
right? It doesn't go away. You can't, you can't scratch out God as much as you want to. You know, there are a lot of people who tear out pages of the Bible because they don't agree with it. And so well, I'm not going to agree with it. I'm going to read this. It still didn't make it. It still didn't make the Bible go away. It still didn't make God's word go away. His word lasts forever. Amen? Right? So he's equipped spiritual craftsmen to help build your tabernacle. I'm one of those craftsmen. My last name is Tool, right? <laughs> My daddy used to say, if you want to get the job done right, you got to have the right tool, right? <laughs> That's me, T-O-O-L-E, the right tool, right? So here's the thing. There are apostles, prophets, evangelists, shepherds, and teachers all around you. Yeah, I'm a shepherd teacher. That's, that's what God's called me to be and what God's called me to do. But these others of the five-fold ministry, they're out there. You can go seek them out. You can go online and find them. You can go down the street and find them. If you want to really build up your tabernacle, then find people with these giftings and ask them to speak into your life and build up your tabernacle. God has placed them there. Second thing. It's not just the fivefold ministry that helps build us up through the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit has provided the whole community of Christ to build up one another. It says in 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verses 4 through 11, it talks about the spiritual gifts, right? It says he's given some the gift of prophecy, some the gift of healings, right? Some, some the gift of speaking in tongues, some the gift of interpreting tongues, some the gift of miracles. He just goes down the whole list that is given not to preachers, Right? Not to preachers, not to people who've been to seminary, been trained, right? He gives it to the whole body of Christ. So sitting right here in this room, if you're a guest, you're part of what I'm about to say. If you're a regular member, you're a part of what I'm about to say. Sitting in this room is all that we need for this morning to build up our tabernacle. God has provided everything we need right here this morning. You may be 12, you may be 16, you may be 60. It doesn't matter. God can work through you and will work through you if you just let him. It's irrelevant. Your age is irrelevant to God. And whether you're a male or female is irrelevant to God also. Do you know that, right? right? Your, your anointing from God is not based on your anatomy from God. Two different things. Two entirely different things. God can move on anybody at any time in any way he wants to. you believe that? If you don't believe that, you're limiting God. Right? <laughs> So God has equipped the whole spiritual community for the building up of the body of Christ so that we can all attain unity in the spirit, as it says. Some of you have gifts of administration, and you really don't ever see those people, right? They're behind the scenes. They're taking care of details, and you never see it. They're just as important as the one that has the gift of speaking, like I'm doing this one, that we think is the biggest gift, which is not, right? There's no, there's no biggest gift. The biggest gift is love. Paul said, let me show you a more excellent way, and that's to love God and love others, right? Or as we say in this church, to live with fortitude, F-O-U-R, fortitude, F-O-U-R. The four things, love God, love self, love others, love creation. Love God, love self, love others, love creation. Live with fortitude. So two things, God's equipped spiritual craftsmen. To build up your tabernacle. Secondly, God's equipped the whole community to help us build up the tabernacle. The third thing is, is that when the tabernacle is built, it's a place to offer spiritual sacrifice to God. The reason you're building 
your tabernacle is a place for you to offer spiritual sacrifices to God. 1 Peter 2, 5 says you are being built into a spiritual house. You're being built into a spiritual house. God wants to come to your place and enjoy fellowship with you. And the Bible says in Revelation 3.20, Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If any man will open the door, or in this case, open the tent flap of your tabernacle, I will come in and have fellowship with you. And as I said last week, when we take the Lord's Supper, it's symbolic of having a meal with Jesus. Now, when we take the Lord's Supper in our day and time, it's more like a happy meal, right? We got a little cracker and we got a little juice, right? But the real fellowship that God offers is a full-blown spread, uh, you know, a 12-course meal, anything you can think of. He's got it on the table. He says, come in and sit down. Let's have a meal together. Now, it'd be kind of impractical for us to do that this morning and serve chicken and lamb and fish and chips and to everybody, right? Unless Miss Jackie want to make some of that special chicken salad that she makes. <laughs> We're all in favor, say aye. Pose by like sign. Great business meeting. That's right. Miss Jackie will expect a bowl full next week with some crackers. I know you can. Amazing chicken salad. But this is why we take this. There's so many reasons why we do communion. But one of the reasons is we're saying, Jesus, I want to have fellowship with you. I'd like to have a meal with you. And so Jesus wants to come in to our tabernacle and have a meal. Now, I told you last week that in the Old Testament, they set up a tabernacle, and God said, y'all come to my place, and we'll have church. But only certain people could go to the tabernacle. Only those who were appointed and designed, the priests and so forth and so on, they were the only ones that could go in the tabernacle. Everybody couldn't, the women couldn't go in there. Right? Gentiles couldn't go in there. Jewish men who were just right and perfect, you know, they could go in there. God said, y'all come to my place. In the New Testament, Jesus said, I took care of all that. I'm coming to your place. I'm coming to your tabernacle to have fellowship with you. That's beautiful. Things change from the Old Testament, New Testament, all because of Jesus. When he died for our sins and rose again, he changed everything. And Jesus says, I want to come to your house. I want to come to your house. The fourth thing about this is that when we gather together, when we gather together, we become one tabernacle. Now, this is a mystery. You are a tabernacle. But when we get together in this room with the ones who are here, we are a tabernacle. In other words, we take our curtains down from our own tabernacle and we pattern them together with everybody else in the rooms. Curtains. Tent walls, if you will. And we become one tabernacle right now. In this moment, we are one tabernacle as Christians. That's beautiful. That's beautiful. We're all in one tabernacle worshiping God with music, song, and testimony, and the word of God. That's a beautiful thing. The Bible says when one weeps, we all weep with you. When one rejoices, we all rejoice with you. Where two or three are gathered, where two or three are gathered in my name, the name of Jesus, Emmanuel, which means God with us. When two or three are gathered in the name of Emmanuel, 
Jesus says, I'm there. I'm there. So right now, in the quiet of this moment, we have a tabernacle that we've built. And we're all in. If you're a first-time guest, we're all in the tabernacle with you as well, and you with us. And Jesus says, I want to come hang out. I want to come hang out. And I want to make you all become one, like the Father and I are one. It says in John chapter 17, I pray that they would all become one as you and I are one. That the world may know that you sent me. The world knows. The world knows that we're believers because of our oneness. And that happens in the temple. You are God's temple and the Holy Spirit lives within you. God's temple is sacred and you are that temple that says in 1 Corinthians chapter 3 verse 16. 1 Corinthians 3 9 says we are God's building. You see, we have a shared meal, we have a shared ministry, we have a shared message, and we have a shared mission. So it shouldn't surprise us that when we get together, we talk about those four things, the shared meal, the Lord's Supper, the shared ministry, what can we do together to help people, the shared message, that's Jesus Christ, right? Crucified for our sins, risen from the dead, living in our hearts, and the shared mission, to go from this place into our marketplace and share who he is. So three things to close with. Three things. First thing is, don't be lazy in building up your spiritual <coughs> tabernacle. Don't be lazy in building up your spiritual tabernacle. You know, when the pioneers of old went out west, they didn't have hotels and houses or things to live in. The first thing they did was, I started stacking up cordwood for the winter. And if you didn't have enough cordwood for the winter, you were going to be dead. There was no option. You were going to die if you didn't have enough wood to build fires with. The second thing you did was build some shelter, quick shelter that you could live under when the first winter came. You know, you and I sometimes get lazy in building our building. God says, don't be lazy in building your building. Work on becoming the tabernacle of God through reading his word, praying, talking with others, attending a church service somewhere where you can be built up by other people, whether it's two or three or two or three hundred, it doesn't matter. Don't be lazy. You heard the story about the, <clears throat> the, the man who went to heaven and he met Peter at the gates, right? And Peter said, let me, let me show you to your house. And so Peter's walking down the street and his mansion's everywhere and this guy's thinking, man, this is really great. Look at the size of these houses. I can't wait to get to mine. They kept on going down the street, down the street. And they walked for several miles and the houses started getting smaller and smaller and smaller and smaller. And at the very end of the road, to the right side of the road, the, Peter said, well, there's your house. And it was just a lean-to, right? Just a lean-to with some, some planks standing upside each other. And the man looked at Peter and said, I, I don't understand. Why, why the big houses here and mine's this little house right here? And Peter looked at him and said, well, we did the best we could with what you sent ahead. <laughs> Ouch. Right. Let's, don't wait till then to build our tabernacle. Let's build it now. Second thing, don't defile the tabernacle with what you, with what you bring inside it. Don't defile your tabernacle by what you bring inside. Okay. If you've got bitterness, leave it outside. Work on that. If you've got anger, leave it outside. If you've got regret, try to leave that outside too. If you've got sin in your life, try to leave that outside. 
Yeah. God's not going to be mad at you if you come in your tabernacle and you carry those things. He's going to meet you and say, you don't, you don't really need that in here. That, that doesn't fit the decor, right? That doesn't fit the decor of the Holy Spirit. Let me help you get that out of your house. Let's, let's you and I work on that together. I'll get the broom. You get the dustpan. Let's see if we can sweep up the ashes of bitterness, right? And turn them into joy. Can, can we do that? That's what the Holy Spirit wants to do when he comes into your tabernacle. But let's be careful what we take in there. There are things that we can choose to take into our tabernacle and things that we can choose to leave at the door. You know, there are, things, there are some things you can't unsee. You know, I won't go there, but there are some things you just can't unsee, right? I'm, I'm not going to go there. I really want to say something funny, but I won't. But it's hilarious. You know what I'm talking about. You can see those, you know, you go to the store and you see, anyway, there's some things you just can't unsee, right? But there are things we can choose not to see. That's right. That's right. What does Psalm say? I will not defile my eyes. Right. Third thing, the third thing. If you build it, he will come. If you build it, he will come. It's a popular movie back in the day with Kevin Costner. Remember that? And a field of dreams, right? Is this, is this heaven? No, it's... You remember that line? It's Iowa, right? Is this heaven? No, it's Iowa, right? If you build it, he will come. If you build your tabernacle, Jesus is going to come knock at the door. Every day. Every day. He wants to come have a meal with you. Every day. I love having a meal with my wife every day. She's an amazing cook. I just love sitting at the table having a meal with her every day. If I miss a day because I'm out of town or something, I walk sideways for three more days after that. It's a beautiful thing to have a meal with someone, isn't it? Jesus was just like that. There's a dozen stories at least that we know of, of Jesus having a meal with people. I'm coming to your house to have a meal. I'm coming to your house to have a meal. Jesus was having a meal, and people standing around watching the meal. You know, the meal back in the day was a guest would invite you over, you would eat, and the invited guests would sit at the table, recline at the table, actually. But anybody else in the community that wanted to come watch could stand around the walls of that table. And when everybody finished eating the meal that were invited guests, the people standing around the wall could reach over and take what they wanted that was left, and they could eat it. That's how a meal took place back in Jesus' day. Jesus loves having a meal with people. Now, this is an interesting thing. This is, this is not part of the sermon, but you'll find this interesting. Of all the life of Jesus, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, that's recorded, it only records about 30 days of his life. <coughs> Did you know that? Only about 30 days of his life. Over half of it he spent, of those 30 days recorded, eating a meal with people. Isn't that beautiful? If you build it, Jesus will come. John 14, 23 says, those who love me obey my teachings. My Father will love him also, and we will come to him and make our home with him. John 14, 23. 
If you love me, you'll obey my teachings. My Father will love you also. And we both, Father, Son, and Spirit, will come to him and make our home with him. That word make our home means to have a meal, to share fellowship together. If you build it, he will come. Father, thank you so much for this day. Thank you for this priceless principle that we see in Exodus, um, a book that seems to have no meaning for us today. But it has meaning, Father. And I thank you that you took such care in building the Old Testament tabernacle. And I thank you that you invest so much more in building the New Testament spiritual tabernacle. So, Father, here we are. We lift our tabernacle up to you. We invite you in and taking the Lord's Supper. We invite you in to come have a meal with us. So come, Lord Jesus, share this meal with us. Come, Father, sit down and break bread with us. Come, Holy Spirit, minister to us as we partake of the Lord's Supper. For it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.